You're listening to audio from St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. Have you ever been there? You say things like, I'm done. It's time for something else. Sure you have. Everyone gets there. Burnout is the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual exhaustion of a person by way of prolonged and excessive stress. So what do we do? Thankfully, God offers us a model from the prophet Elijah who experienced the symptoms of burnout which left him underneath a broom tree. Join us this new year as we journey together in the best New Year's resolution of all, to be healthy and spiritually vitalized again. All right, well, I'm glad that you're here. If you're a guest, welcome today. It's a great uh, time to be a part of this amazing community of people that has firm convictions and soft hearts and loves well. And if you're watching from home, I pray all is well in your neighborhood. Let's get today rolling with a prayer. Here we go. Uh, God, we pray that you would send your spirit upon us. We pray that we would hear your voice. And in the midst of a, a teaching series that's all about burnout, Help us hear what it is that you'd have us to hear. Be at work in our lives. Come and move among your people today that we might know what it is to be vitalized in you. We ask this in and through the name of Jesus and the people of God said, Amen. So last week we started this teaching series by describing burnout, and burnout we said is this. The physical, mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual exhaustion that comes by way of prolonged and excessive stress. How many people here have stress? Good. If you don't, I'm sorry. I love you, but you're lying. Sorry. Everybody's got stress, and it it, it doesn't matter if you're uh, working, if you're retired, whatever. Everybody has some kind of stress in their lives. It's just different. Could be about work stuff or children or uh, could be about your health, could be financially motivated, so on and so forth, but everybody has stress. And uh, there's a continuum of burnout, and so if you find yourself doing things like escaping, if you find yourself online for hours on end, scrolling mindlessly through your social media feed, um, overeating, overbuying, all kinds of these different patterns, and you wonder, what is it that's going on in my life? could be that there's burnout happening, or at least something along the continuum of burnout. Let's show that continuum. It looks like this stress. Everybody's got it. And if stress goes unmanaged, it'll eventually lead to a lack of balance in your life. And if that lack of balance continues, you'll find yourself cynical or sarcastic. If you're cynical or sarcastic, you might think that's just part of you. Let me encourage your heart this morning. It's anger. It's anger. And if if that goes untreated, eventually you'll find yourself withdrawing from people and isolating yourself from community around you, and we need those folks to tell us the truth about who we are. And finally, you find yourself exhausted and completely burned out. That's the cycle. And the first step to moving through this in this new year and becoming a vitalized disciple of Jesus Christ is to realize it. you got to wake up. How many people know that the first step is always the hardest? To look at yourself in the mirror or to ask people in your life, hey, what do you see? What's going on? I can't figure this thing out. Help me. To realize it is so hard. 
But if you can name it, you can begin to move through it. And so we figured out the issue, what do we do next? And now pastors, sometimes we're the worst at this because we're always going to tell you at least two things in every solution we prescribe. Read your Bible and pray. Are you with me? And this is good advice. And I think the funny thing is most of us, if we're honest, how much do we really spend time reading Scripture and praying? Is it a daily thing? Well, but maybe it goes deeper than that. Maybe it goes deeper than just reading the Bible and praying. And what I want to do is strike the balance for you this morning to start with this, this balance between activity and vitality. Activity is what you do. Vitality is an intended state of loving God and loving neighbor. In fact, John Wesley called this uh, the doctrine of entire sanctification or Christian perfection. You're like, I don't know about that perfection business. So let's put it in these terms. What if you could come to a place in your life where you could say, as Jesus commands, I fully love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I can love my neighbor, and that includes the people you don't like, I could love my neighbor as myself. Now that's vitality. And I wonder sometimes if we conflate these two things. We mistake activity for vitality. So the busier I am... The better I am, the more Christian I am. Not necessarily. Activity is not vitality. And the assumptions Christians can tend to make at times is if I just do another Bible study or another service opportunity or another this or... or no. No. Activity is not vitality the more christian activities you do this is not what makes you super spiritual being fully in love with god and being able to love your neighbor as yourself that's vitality that's vitality do, do, do the bible and reading the bible and praying lead us there absolutely because what we pour into our lives begins to shape us and begins to shape the way that we love god and shape the way we love other people. But the more activity you do does not necessarily make you super spiritual. So I want to go back this morning to Elijah's story. And last time we left him, he was sitting underneath a broom tree. Let's see where it picks up, and we'll read this scripture together this morning. Here we go. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. I remember Elijah went from the top of the mountain. He had just defeated his enemies to the, the, the broom tree, to the, the worst and the lowest of lows. His high-stress life that was filled with activity had finally caught up with him. He had taken on the king and his wife and the prophets and everybody else around. And finally, this high power life of lots of activity and very little rest caught up with him. He ran 113 miles from Mount Carmel to Beersheba 
And underneath this broom tree, we read one of the most powerful, profound things in all of Scripture. Here it comes. You ready? He fell asleep. Wow. You're like, I woke up for that. I could be sleeping. What are you talking about? He fell asleep. And I want you to realize that the writer of Scripture has connected this to another series of events that runs throughout the Bible. Uh, for example, when Adam died, the language is he fell asleep. There are, there's this language that runs through the Bible that says, and he slept in the dust of the earth. And so maybe, just maybe, the writer here is trying to say that Elijah was as good as dead. He fell asleep. How many of you this morning, here's the question I want to ask, how many of you are so exhausted, you're about as good as dead? If you think, I, I can't see it, like I get the best vantage point of how beautiful you are every Sunday. How many of you have been on the run for the last umpteen months saying from one season to the next, in a couple months it's going to get better. When this season's done, I'm going to get a break. If I can just make it two, it's going to be okay. And you're addicted all the time to your phone and texting people and emails and checking your calendar and plotting your next move and wondering all along, when is it going to get better? And i got to tell you, we love this as Americans because we tend to run one of two scripts when somebody says, hey, how are you? The first one says, fine, how are you? That's the first American script. And the second American script, which is a little more transparent, goes like this. Hi, how are you? I'm so busy. Am I close? This is what's funny, is to see what results after that script continues to run. Hi, how are you? I'm so busy. And then it's a one-upsmanship on how busy you are. Have you noticed this? Like, my kids are in 15 things, and I'm running this way, and things at work, and things here. And, and, and then the next person will say, I am so busy too. And I am so busy, in fact, I don't have time to think. <laughs> and there's this pride that comes with that. What is up with that? Why have we confused activity for vitality? Why has busyness become the badge of honor? That's the question I want to raise. And is it possible that, that in doing this kind of thing, we end up like Elijah underneath a broom tree, just about as good as dead? So the first step is to realize that the second step I want to show you today is this, and that's Sabbath rest. And I'm going to offer you a caveat, and I'm going to break all of the rules of teaching and preaching this morning, right here. My mentor, Ellsworth Callis, would be ashamed of me. One of the most important things is the ethos of the speaker. Does he live it? And I'm going to tell you this, I'm not always very good at this. So I need to learn and to listen and the Holy Spirit to open my ears, maybe just like all of us here today. Rest. Look at what the passage says again. Behold, an angel touched him, and he said to him, Arise and eat, and he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on, a hot, on hot stones in a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. 
Now, when God sends an angel, an angel realizes a divine messenger, and those divine messengers, they'll speak a word from God, they'll bring encouragement, they might bring power, they might bring comfort or aid or guidance. When Elijah lays down under the broom tree and says, I am done, and he sleeps, it's finally given God an opportunity to be at work in Elijah's life in a different way than it ever happened before. He slept. And it's beautiful the way that God does this in creation, yes? God makes a time for everything, a time to work and a time to rest. There's the day for activity and night for rest. And we make the assumption that, well, sure, God rested on the seventh day, so maybe, you know, he sleeps at night. God's always at work. In fact, sometimes it's while we rest and give our minds and our hearts a break that God can be at work in a powerful way. I think about Joseph and how he got dreams at night while he rested. David says in the book of Psalms chapter 3 that at night uh, God helps him and protects him while he rests. When Elijah lays down to rest, this angel helps him and brings comfort and aid and food and he lays down again and he rests. And you might think, okay, so what? He does that and he eats the cakes, okay? Well, let's keep looking here a minute. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, says the writer of the book of Genesis. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman for the rib, from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So at night, while people are resting, God brings good things to life, yes? I mean, imagine, imagine Adam, he lays down, and he wakes up in the morning and goes, ooh, I like it. She seems pretty darn great. Good work. God's always at work. This is the point. God, God's always at work, even when we rest. And sometimes when we rest, when we take a break, God begins to pour into our lives in a way beyond what we could ever have imagined. So Elijah rested, and he eats these holy hotcakes, we're told. And I want you to recognize that this is a marker we find all throughout Scripture as well. There are moments in, in which people have eaten bread and God has been at work in a powerful way. I think about Abraham and the divine visitation he had from God in Genesis chapter 18. And out of that experience comes the promised son Isaac. Uh, I think about Israel's exodus from bondage and slavery. And what do they do before they leave? They rest and they eat unleavened bread. And then they're strengthened for their journey ahead, even though the Egyptians are going to be on their tails. If we stopped and rested, what, what, what might we gain? How might we avoid burnout? If we stopped and poured out our hearts to God and feasted with one another, like we do around the Holy Communion table, what grace might we begin to get from God that we deeply need for our lives? Who knew that one of the most important things we could need in our lives is rest and Sabbath? Is that part of your New Year's resolution, though? I mean, because I imagine if, if you're honest, most of your New Year's resolutions involve activity, yes? Close? I need to read more books. I need to go to the gym. I need to eat right, I need to do this thing. They're all about activity. How much of your New Year's resolution is focused on your own vitality, on resting, on stopping, 
on slowing down. Here's the thing, activity does not guarantee vitality. Activity does not guarantee vitality. Vitality is a state of being. Activity is just a state of doing. And sure, activity is great. I love to be on the go. But how many people know if you stay active too long, you end up just like Elijah, stuck underneath a broom tree saying, I'm so exhausted. In fact, if you look at the cycle of burnout, you'll notice uh, that in the first three steps towards burnout is lots of activity. There's stress and lack of balance and cynicism or sarcasm. And then eventually your, your body and your mind and your heart, it can't take anymore. And so you withdraw, you isolate yourself, you find yourself exhausted and in a place of burnout. And that's why rest is so important. And what we want to get at this today is not just rest for the sake of resting. It's a Sabbath kind of rest, a vitality that's born of non-activity, of resting in God. Elijah cried out to God, and then he slept. And God sent a messenger, and Elijah took a time of Sabbath with that divine messenger, this balance of resting and eating and listening and preparing for what was next. And Sabbath, I want you to realize, it looks different for everybody, I think. Jesus withdrew and went to lonely places. He went on top of a mountain. Uh, there are other folks throughout Scripture who they'll rest in different ways. God gives us some uh, pretty important commands, though, regarding rest. Let, let's take a look at the Scripture from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do, not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And here's what I want you to hear. God devotes as much time to the commandment of Sabbath as he does to idolatry. Why do you think that is? How often do we make an idol of our activity, our busyness, our work, the stuff that we do, and sometimes even do for God. And forget, we weren't created to be human doings. We were created to be human beings. Are you with me? You were not created to be a human doing. You were created to be a human being. In fact, when Jesus comes and the writer of Hebrews says that we're called to enter his Sabbath rest, maybe one way we could think about it is like this. There isn't a single thing that you can do that would please God any more than he's already pleased with you. Your picture's already on his refrigerator, friends. And I wonder sometimes, brothers and sisters, if we think we need to perform to gain the love of God. That's a lie. We don't perform to gain the love of God. We live from the love of God. We live in the love of God. 
And the more we live in that love, the more we're able to love God with all that we are. And as we learn to love God with all that we are, he grants us the love that, that we long to have that fills our life with vitality. And then we're able to, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And yes, that includes the people that we might not hang out with. That's vitality. And I believe that God gave us this incredible commandment from Exodus chapter 20, which transcends uh, all of time. Not just for Israel, but for us. Because for Israel, they were brick makers, 24 by 7. And what God said to them is this, I want you to remember every week, one day of the week, what I've redeemed you from. That you weren't put on this earth just to do and to build somebody else's empire. You were put on this earth as my beloved creation. As my beloved people. And so whatever that work is, it can wait. Whatever the promotion you think you need to overstress yourself out for. It can wait. That phone call that you think, I've got to answer this, it can wait. The text message you think you're supposed to reply to instantaneously, it can wait. The emails that stack up at the end of the day while your children are crying out for your attention, they can wait. Because you're not a human doing. You're a human being. And so I want you to think about the past week that you've had. And reflect for just a moment about this balance between work and rest in your life. Did you, did you have times of rest? In fact, let's put up the next slide if we could. I wonder in this past week, how many get-tos were there in your life over shoulds and have-tos? We'll take just a, f- a few moments and, and we'll reflect on that together. How'd it go? Do you find any get-tos? Do you find a lot of shoulds? Do you find a lot of have-tos? Some of you are thinking right now, you're being judgmental, Brian. I get that a lot. You don't know my life. You know what? You're, You're totally right. I don't. I don't know what you do on a on a weekly basis. I don't know your rhythm. I will completely own that. And, and you might be thinking, you would be amazed at everything that I achieve and accomplish in a week. And I probably would be amazed at all that you achieve and accomplish in a week. Although I might ask you a simple question. Why are you doing all of it? And how in balance are you? And is there time for rest as much as there is for work? Is there time for inactivity 
as much as all of the activity that you do? Are you healthy? Are you vitalized? Because if it's all work and no rest, if it's all activity and no period of non-activity, I guarantee you we'll, we'll dig just a little bit and we'll find something like anger or sadness or, or whatever, and it won't be far below the surface. Because your soul is begging for rest. What would your life look like if you had at least one get-to a day this week? And how many of you are ready to roll your eyes at me? One get-to a day. What would your life look like if you found some balance? I bet it would not look like some of these symptoms that you looked at last week. If you had at least one get-to... What if one of your get-tos, you set aside and you, and you said, you know what, I'm going to have a period of Sabbath. What would your life look like? Would you find yourself idolized? You know, the journey of life is too great for you. In fact, that's what the scripture says. Look, look at what this says again. It says, And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Say this with me. It's too great without rest. It's too great without get-tos. And that's why from the beginning of scripture recognizing that God makes these times of sleep and rest and brings good things to life and he redeems people from busyness and activity and bondage and slavery and, and out of it he gives us Sabbath and rest and vitality and we can recognize that in Jesus Christ we are not human doings we are human beings and we don't have to work for the love of God he's already given it to us we work from the love of God because he loved us first It's too great for us. Dr. Matthew Sleeth has written an amazing book on, on Sabbath called 24-6. I love the title. Not seven, 24-6. And he says this, we do not need more. We need to recognize how much we have. The Sabbath is a reality check. It says you have enough. This stop day is nothing less than grabbing onto the robe of the, makers, the maker of the universe. How about you? You know, I remember uh, one time I had this really high-power executive who was part of the congregation uh, I served. And uh, he said, hey, I, I really need to talk to you. I said, okay, how about a lunch thing? That's perfect, because my schedule's really busy, so let's set it up. And it got rescheduled like four times. I mean, this guy's busy. I get it. So we sit down to lunch, and hey, how are you, all the typical pleasantries, and then the phone starts going off. You know, oh, got to get that text message. Phone call comes in. Oh, just a second, need to answer it. So we do like 10, 15 minutes of that. And he says, so, you know, I've got this, I've got this thing going on, and uh, I just, I'm tired all the time. 
I, I think maybe I need to serve or do something more, and that would kind of help me. And I said, well, tell me about that, which is the ultimate pastoral line of, oh, man, this is heading in a lot of different directions. And so what he realized was he had this device that went in his pocket everywhere with him, and it controlled his life. And it was like the lights went on, and he goes, you know what I need? I, I need a break. I'm like, that's amazing. Let's do that. Got on his phone, texted his assistant, I'm out for a week. Bye. And it changed his life. I wonder if that might happen for you. The first step to realizing there's, to, to this whole problem of, of burnout or whether you find yourself just out of balance or cynical or sarcastic, the first step is, is simple. You've got to realize it. And the second step is so powerful. We're called to rest. We're called to rest. We're not human doings. We're human beings. So let's find some get-tos this week. Are you with me? And let's watch what God might do in our lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that um, you remind us every Sunday morning who we are. And that's the reason we gather for worship on the first day of the week. Because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget that in the midst of productivity and schedules and all of the have-tos and shoulds that we build up in our lives, the calendars that get overfull, the text messages that never stop flowing, or the phone calls which never seem to see. Sometimes, God, we forget. We forget who we are. That you love us the way that we are, and yet too much to leave us the way that we were. That you call us higher. And part of that upward call in Jesus Christ is recognizing you've created us. You're Lord over all. And you long for us to be living in a state of vitality, of having a heart that is full of love for you and love towards other people. And we recognize today this can't happen unless we have rest in our lives. Unless there's those get-tos. And so Jesus, we pray today that you would take the wheel of the mess that we make of our schedules and help us get down off the throne because you're the rightful one to inhabit that throne of our lives and lead us. Help us be healthy. Help us find vitality. Be our Lord and our leader. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.